You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is the story of TikTok's showdown with President Trump. It starts on a Friday in August 2020. For Mario Parker, it began just like any other night on the job. He's a reporter here at Bloomberg who covers the White House. The president always travels with a group of reporters. We give updates on the president's movements. Uh, that could be whether at the White House or that can be on a road that sometimes involves uh, riding aboard Air Force One. That night, Mario was on the plane with President Trump. The journalists usually sit in the back of the plane, waiting for the president to make a move. When he starts walking back, you know it. So you see, you know, some of the Secret Service agents move into different positions. And so we know, oh, he's coming. He's on his way back. It's an electricity at that point because, you know, he's coming back. It's going to be an intimate conversation. Trump had already said he might go after TikTok earlier that summer because it was owned by a Chinese company. But he had just made a vague threat. And Mario wanted to see if the president would say something more specific. TikTok, that was like my primary. If I, if I had a question with the president, that was like my target for that day. I asked him about it. He was kind of waffling on whether or not to announce it. No one really expected a straight answer from Trump. But the reporters that day kept pressing him. And then the president came out and said he was going to ban TikTok. He might sign something as soon as the next day. Trump said, I have that authority. I could do it with an executive order. This is something that's like concrete. Tomorrow, a hard date, I'm going to take this hard action, which is banning and I'm gonna do it in this manner. And so there, there's a, a much more definitive, serious tone to it. This was huge news because it wasn't just a conflict between the president and TikTok. Things between the US and China had never been worse. For Trump to pick a fight with TikTok meant that he was going after China in a big way. There's about maybe a dozen journalists. I looked around just to, to make sure, A, to make sure I heard them right. Because I wonder if everybody else is freaking out just like me, because I'm already thinking, I'm X amount of miles in the air. I don't have cell phone service. I need to tell my editors, like, what's going on? I'm panicking a little bit inside. And I look around, and everybody else has the same look of horror. You know, how long will it take until, you know, I'm looking at my phone. Like, when can I get a bar? When can I get a bar? When the plane landed, the news rippled like an explosion across TikTok's teenage users. So it was actually, I was in my room because I believe it was like 
one or two in the morning here for me and I was about to go to bed and then I get a call from my friend and he's like oh my gosh did you hear what happened and then apparently you know Trump said that TikTok he was gonna ban TikTok tomorrow like and it was Friday night. That's Gabby Murray she's 19 she's a popular TikTok star who's spoken on previous episodes It was kind of almost like a little panic thing. And, and, you know, all night I was like freaking out and like I really couldn't calm down. I was super upset and I was like, is this really the end? Teens on TikTok were spiraling and the late night TV shows were eating this up. That's right. Instead of stopping a pandemic or helping unemployed Americans, he's pretending he has the power to unilaterally ban a social media app. Apparently this is a very real national security threat. The Chinese government knowing which Americans can and can't dance. What is he doing? Is he the president of the United States or the preacher from Footloose? And things were about to get even weirder. You're listening to Foundering. I'm your host, Shelley Banjo. This is the last episode of our series about TikTok. It's the story of an improbable rise. The app captured the attention of an entire generation. It became the first social media app from China to build a global following. But TikTok became a victim of its own success. It grew to be so big that it got caught in a standoff between the U.S. and China. And this was only the start of its problems. President Trump became so obsessed with TikTok, he threatened to kick it out of the U.S. altogether. We asked TikTok to comment on this episode, and a spokesperson referred me to a previous statement from Vanessa Pappas, the COO of TikTok. She said... When it comes to safety and security, we're building the safest app. We're here for the long run. More on that after a quick break. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. ByteDance's CEO, Zhang Yiming, is known as a quiet guy, a workaholic who avoids the limelight. But when President Trump went after TikTok, it felt like a personal affront because Yiming spent his whole life striving to become a successful entrepreneur. And just when he succeeded in taking TikTok global and fulfilling his lifelong dream, the American president wanted to take it away from him. It's bizarre thinking back on it now. But for a really significant portion of 2020, Trump's attention was focused not only on coronavirus, the Democrats, or impeachment. He was zeroed in on TikTok. So after Trump says he's going to ban TikTok, Yiming does something unexpected. He fires off a series of letters to employees and says the company is facing an existential crisis. I asked my colleague to read parts of these letters. They're translated and edited for clarity. These past few months have been a challenging time for us all. And over the last week, you've probably heard a lot of speculation about TikTok in the media. As you may know, in the current environment, we face the real possibility of a forced sale of TikTok's U.S. business or an executive order banning the app in the U.S. 
Sources told me that Yiming knew politicians were using TikTok as a punching bag, but he refused to believe that the U.S. president would ever really shut down the app. That just seemed unthinkable. In one letter, Yiming sounds almost mournful about all the work that had been poured into TikTok. Yesterday, I worked until dawn. Before I went to bed, I opened my phone and saw someone post a photo from our office building in Shenzhen at 5.30 in the morning. The lights were still on. Let's be honest, many of our Chinese colleagues have made personal sacrifices in our push to become a global company. Yiming was living in China, but he was keeping U.S. hours to deal with the Trump fallout. That's a 12-hour time difference. Yiming was frustrated. He felt unfairly singled out. I actually understand that as a Chinese company that's reached global status, people will hold us to a higher standard. But we don't have accurate information about us. He says the U.S. government was overreaching in its attempts to force TikTok to sell. As a company, we have no choice but to abide by the law. But that's not what the other side wants. Their real goal is a full-blown embargo and more. Yiming acknowledges that things might seem like a disaster, but he urges employees to hold steady. We need to shoulder these misunderstandings for the time being. We hope that people will not be too concerned about the short-term damage to our reputation. Let's be patient and do the right thing. The TikTok ban caught the company by surprise. Their new CEO, Kevin Mayer, had only been on the job for two months. They hired Kevin from Disney. They hoped an American executive leading the company might get the U.S. government off their backs. But Trump went after them anyway. That led to another question. Could an American president even ban a social media app? There was no precedent for this. I spoke with my colleague, Kurt Wagner. He's a social media reporter. I remember my reaction was basically to laugh. Is this something he can he can legally do, right? Can he just tell people they can't have this app on their phones? And, and if so, how would you even go about enforcing that, right? But, you know, as with a lot of things with the Trump administration, I think very quickly you, you learn that um, just because something doesn't really make sense on the surface doesn't mean that it's not being seriously pursued uh, behind the scenes. The TikTok ban seemed to be about more than the app itself. I think it became immediately clear that TikTok was being used in this broader trade war with China. You realize that it's not really about the app itself. It's about the leverage that I think Trump and his administration thought that they would have over, uh, over China. And so what was expected to happen was for President Trump to come out and say, ByteDance needs to basically sell off the U.S. version of TikTok. And so as a result, uh, ByteDance was then in the market for a buyer of its U.S. business. And there was one name that floated to the top as a potential buyer, Microsoft. Yiming had already held a number of secret meetings with Microsoft's CEO, Satya Nadella, to talk about how they could work together. But once the Trump administration turned up the heat on TikTok, those talks escalated. Microsoft put out a statement saying they were in talks to buy TikTok. And sources tell me that Donald Trump personally called Microsoft's CEO to ask for specific items to be included in the press release before it went out. 
Yeah, companies do not announce deals before deals are done, typically. The letter from Microsoft was very uncommon. Typically, when a company like Microsoft might buy TikTok, Microsoft and TikTok are talking. You don't have the president of the United States and his administration part of the negotiation. But this was not a normal acquisition. And you did have the president as part of the negotiation. Will you read that press release that Microsoft put out? Yeah. Um, So this was from their corporate blog, and it says, Following a conversation between Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella and President Donald J. Trump, Microsoft is prepared to continue discussions to explore a purchase of TikTok in the United States. Microsoft fully appreciates the importance of addressing the president's concerns. It is committed to acquiring TikTok subject to a complete security review and providing proper economic benefits to the United States, Microsoft appreciates the U.S. government's and President Trump's personal involvement. Can we back up? What the heck is proper economic benefits to the United States? (laughs) This was a uh, very fun and bizarre wrinkle to this whole story. It was kind of learned later that President Trump was actually expecting some kind of uh, payment in return for facilitating this arrangement, right? So it struck a lot of people as being um, not only legally dubious, but certainly ethically dubious, right? Like here is the president, he's demanding that this deal get done. And then on top of that, he's demanding that some type of payment go back to, this says the U.S. Treasury, there was speculation that it would even be, you know, to Trump himself. When we asked Microsoft about Trump's role in the negotiations, they declined to comment. This was a sobering moment for Yiming. It looked like TikTok could be snatched away for reasons outside its control. TikTok's fate seemed to rest on the whims of President Trump. There was a lot of discussion at this time as well about this idea of maybe just using TikTok as a distraction, right? Like, this was when the COVID fight was not going well. You know, the election is coming up, right? And and the president was running out of money for his election effort. So, like, this was something that he felt he could exert some level of control over, that maybe, you know, other parts of uh, his life and life in America at that time, he didn't really have that. We'll be right back. So this is when the clock starts ticking. Because Trump makes good on his threats. He issues a pair of executive orders giving TikTok a 45-day deadline to find a buyer. Sources told me that Yiming was reluctant to sell his business but he was under pressure because the ban was looming. And his investors, who had sunk $7.5 billion into ByteDance over the years, wanted their payout before it was too late. Over in China, Yiming was in hot water too, because his attempts to appease the U.S. government were really unpopular. People flooded Yiming's social media with messages slamming his choice to sell. They called him a U.S. lapdog, a traitor. They accused him of kneeling to Washington and betraying China. Here's former tech banker Roy Ma. They felt that Zhao Yiming was really just giving in without a fight. Um, how can you just give in to the American government 
you know, with with their demands, just like that, right? It's because it seemed like it was overnight. It was like the executive order came out, and then Jaime was like, okay, you know, <laughs> that's what it felt like. So TikTok found itself in this situation where they were criticized in China for being too American, and they were criticized in America for being too Chinese. Then the Chinese government decided to step in. New rules in China over the technology it exports may mean selling TikTok in the U.S. could need approval from Beijing. Uh, in the meantime, deal talks for TikTok's U.S. operations have hit a bit of a snag or maybe a, an entire roadblock. Until this moment, the Chinese government had mostly stayed out of Trump's fight with TikTok. But they intervened once it looked like advanced AI technology created by TikTok's Chinese parent company might end up in the U.S. They came out with a new law that prohibited any sort of sale of TikTok without China's approval. Sources told me this shocked Yiming. He didn't see it coming. TikTok was stuck between the push and pull of the two countries. They needed to move fast. Their American investors decided to take matters into their own hands. They start back-channeling with Trump administration officials, including Jared Kushner and Steve Mnuchin, to drive up the price of TikTok and to find a buyer that Trump would deem acceptable. That buyer was Oracle. Oracle is a big technology company that mostly builds software products for businesses, not social media. So they seem like a weird match for TikTok. What Oracle did have was a lot of money and very close relationships with President Trump. And if you're TikTok, half the battle is bringing Trump a deal that he will approve. And so I think there was some feeling that if Oracle were to make a bid, it might be more likely to get his stamp of approval. The relationship between Oracle and Trump was pretty cozy. Oracle executives donated tens of thousands of dollars to Trump's campaigns. Its CEO served on the president's transition team. And the founder even lent Trump his own house in California for a fundraiser. Oracle made a $25 billion offer for TikTok's U.S. business. But just when it looked like a possible solution was on the table, another bomb was dropped. The CEO of TikTok has resigned. Kevin Mayer led the company for just three months. Mayer said, quote, the political environment has sharply changed. He says he's thought about what the next phase of TikTok is going to look like, and it's not going to include him. I call TikTok, I call sources, and I'm like, what the heck is going on? And very quickly learned that he had just emailed um, the company to say that he was stepping down. And this was not only shocking because he had only been there a short amount of time, but Kevin is not a low-key hire, if you will. Like, he was a really big deal. He was a longtime executive at Disney. He was incredibly successful there. And it was a pretty um, dramatic exit. I love that you categorize it as not a low-key hire, because I remember that as soon as he was hired, they started talking about their American CEO who lives in Los Angeles. And, you know, they really attached themselves on this all-American CEO image. And in the end, you know, he only spent three months there. And Yiming had spent way, way more time trying to find the perfect CEO. And then they find him, and then he leaves after 100 days. And I also remember that 
Kevin wasn't really a good fit with the company's corporate culture. The CEO, Zhang Yiming at ByteDance, really wanted to hire this corporate soldier, this American face who would kind of right the ship in the U.S. and kind of do what he's told, and that it didn't really work out that way because Kevin really wanted to have a say in all the different decisions. And later on, sources told me that Yiming told coworkers that he regretted hiring Kevin. TikTok declined to comment on Kevin Mayer's departure. A few months after he stepped down, Kevin spoke to my colleague Emily Chang on Bloomberg TV. Why did you leave? And, and do you have any regrets about that? Look, I left because my, it, it, the job that I, had, uh, that I had signed up for and that I, was, that, I was, that I was doing looked like it was not going to exist any longer. And, you know, there was going to be a deal with either Microsoft or Oracle. It turned out to be Oracle. And um, at that time, it seemed like the right time for, for, for me to depart. I don't want to rehash that too much. What do you think U.S. politicians get wrong about TikTok? Um, look, I think they, they think that TikTok is, um, is, a, is, is controlled by the Chinese government, and I just never found it to be the case. I think the team in China has done a great job of it. In Kevin's place... ByteDance's CEO, Zhang Yiming, elevates an executive named Vanessa Papas. She's run big parts of TikTok for years. And she wrote the playbook on turning social media fame into a career. But she's been passed over multiple times for the top job at TikTok. Still, Vanessa has stayed loyal to Yiming. I interviewed her over the phone. I just have to ask, because it's my job, um, what's the latest, if you can say anything about the deal no- negotiations, whether or not there'll be an answer by mid-September? I cannot share, but I uh, understand you have to ask. <laughs> Fair enough. Vanessa wasn't giving away much, but she did allude to a change unfolding at TikTok. Yiming had been cooperating with the sell-off of his company, but Vanessa indicated that he could be shifting away from that mindset. No, I think we've been fairly strong in our statements that, you know, we have expressed that we disagree with the executive order. Um, We are pursuing a number of paths forward and we are positive in that, you know, we think we'll have a positive outcome here. Vanessa telling me they might have a positive outcome was revealing. It was the first hint that TikTok thought they might not have to cave to Trump's demands after all. TikTok was gearing up for a fight after months of being kicked around by the White House. The company starts running television ads. to see? So easy to make. Almost as if they were taunting the president. Using the ban as a marketing ploy. Today, today years old. It works. I can't believe I learned all that on here. TikTok could go away at any moment, so you better get it now. This drove a huge spike in downloads and revenue. Next, TikTok takes the fight to court. There were three separate lawsuits from TikTok, its users, and its employees. I spoke to Patrick Ryan. He's a TikTok engineer behind one of the lawsuits. He told me he felt personally attacked by Trump's executive orders. He didn't like being accused of sending data on Americans over to China. I thought about these accusations. So when I read through those things, I, I read those accusations not as being accusations just against a company, but as accusations against me, you know, as a employee of the company and in a position to know. <laughs> Patrick says he's in a position to know because he works in data security. He joined TikTok just months before Trump announced the ban. 
Patrick left behind a cushy job at Google. He was one of hundreds of TikTok employees who joined after the pandemic. Many had never met their colleagues in person. They were already feeling vulnerable when the president started attacking their employer for something they didn't even believe they were doing wrong. I feel like I'm in the middle of a square and, you know, there's just a couple of us and I feel like we're getting kicked. And I feel like a lot of people are watching and they're not doing anything because they think that maybe we deserve it. Yet they haven't seen any evidence. So Patrick sued the Trump administration on behalf of TikTok employees. And then there was another, even more powerful lawsuit from the TikTok users themselves. My name's Cosette and I'm suing Trump. What does this mean? As That's Cosette Renab in a TikTok video. She was one of three TikTok creators that sued the Trump administration to put a stop to the ban. TikTok is all about using your voice to reach a global audience. And this is what the First Amendment is all about. The president's executive order is violating our freedom of speech and silence. This lawsuit looked like a grassroots effort, but it wasn't. Sources told me that TikTok recruited creators to file the lawsuit, connected them with powerful First Amendment lawyers, and helped craft the legal strategy. In essence, TikTok orchestrated the whole thing. When I asked the company about this, they didn't want to comment. My sources told me that this lawsuit played right into a calculated strategy by TikTok to cultivate a group of everyday Americans who use the app, depend on the app, and will speak out in defense of TikTok. You want to make sure that you've got um, a array of validators, and in some cases, amplifiers of your message that are going to have influence in the U.S. market. That's Brett Bruin. He's a crisis manager who was watching these lawsuits closely. Brett served as a diplomat under President Obama. There is not any better strategy that I can think of than to get the most influential voices and align them with my product, align them with my policy preferences. So it is not TikTok versus Trump. It is this army of influencers. And this is a lawsuit that worked. The judge sided with the creators and put a temporary block on the ban. And the most ironic part to me was, here's ByteDance, this company from China where speech is highly censored, and they're leaning on the U.S. Constitution, the right to free speech. So TikTok got a reprieve from the ban, but there was still the matter of the sale. We'll be right back. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. One afternoon in September... I got an email from my colleague who reports on Microsoft. It said, hearing from a source that something deal-wise is likely to be announced later today. So, um, get ready, everyone. I started making frantic calls to all my sources to try to find out what happened. We were the first to find out that Oracle had pulled ahead. Minutes later, we got word Microsoft was out. And weirdly enough, 
the deal wasn't announced by TikTok or Oracle, but by U.S. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. Uh, I want to be careful what I say, but I will confirm we did get a proposal over the weekend that includes Oracle as the trusted technology partner with Oracle. And once we started digging into the deal, we realized this wasn't really a sale of TikTok. Instead, TikTok had come up with some crafty corporate restructuring where they would spin off a new company called TikTok Global and sell a 20% stake in this new company to Oracle and its partners. As for Yiming, ByteDance, and their investors, they would keep 80% of the company. Yiming would continue to wield outsized power on the company's decisions. We were shocked that this deal with Oracle even passed muster with the Trump administration because it didn't address the fact that TikTok is still majority owned by a Chinese company. But apparently Oracle was able to convince Trump. Here's Kurt. We should have known all along that the deal was going to go to the people who were closest to the president. And I remember being so confused because this was nothing that Trump had wanted. And so I remember being like, wait a second. But Trump said, I wanted this to be 100% owned by a U.S. company and for it to be completely spun off away from China, away from ByteDance's CEO, John Giming. And this was not that. It was not that. You start to also come to the realization that perhaps this wasn't really the security threat that it was painted to be, right? If that were the case then you would think that it would require ByteDance to be completely removed from the equation. So even though ByteDance was sidestepping most of Trump's demands, it appeared to be good enough for Trump. But what happened to Microsoft? They were the first to express interest in TikTok. There were all those secret meetings between the two companies. Later, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella sat down with my colleague Emily Chang. Microsoft tried to buy TikTok and it didn't happen. Why did you want to buy TikTok? We had a very crisp vision for what we would want to do with it, uh, and including, for example, addressing some of the very real concerns around national security. But that was last summer and we moved on. He doesn't sound that sad that Microsoft lost out. Sources told us that Microsoft felt this new deal was not what they had bargained for. Microsoft wanted in when TikTok would be theirs and theirs alone. They didn't want to own a minority stake. So Oracle wins the bid. And Trump tells reporters he gave the deal his blessing. Here's Trump in front of his blaring helicopter. We have some very big news on TikTok. TikTok uh, is moving along. We're dealing with Oracle. But we'll see whether or not it all happens. But uh, conceptually, I think it's a great deal for America. Uh, it will have nothing to do with China. It'll be totally secure. But that would be the last time we hear Trump talk publicly about TikTok. He moved on. Sources told me White House officials wouldn't even return TikTok's calls. In a way, this was kind of a stroke of luck for you, Ming. Here's Kurt. I think President Trump and his administration got sidetracked. I think that the election was upcoming. I think it was shortly after this that the president got the coronavirus and was suddenly kind of out of commission for a few days. And this type of thing, which he had made sure the administration was right in the middle of, 
suddenly couldn't move forward without their cooperation. And so this deal that never crossed the finish line because there was no one there to usher it through. And then we're kind of stuck with our editors asking every day, like, what's happening? What's happening? And meanwhile, there's an election. Trump moves on to, with other fights and other challenges. And he leaves office and he leaves office without a deal. And we never get really the ending of the story. I think that this is a totally frustrating chapter in the Trump presidency. You know, this was the business deal of the decade that never actually happened. And what bothers me the most as a reporter who spent years covering this story is that we never got to the bottom of whether there was a security threat posed by TikTok. We still don't have the answer. Trump officially leaves office. Joe Biden becomes president. And his administration makes it clear that TikTok is not a priority. The Biden administration puts an official hold on the TikTok sale process, the court proceedings, and the ban. He says he'll look into the national security risks. But sources tell us that's unlikely to happen anytime soon, because Biden is busy with coronavirus and the U.S. economy. As for the deal with Oracle, well, it sort of fades. And it's as if this big monumental chapter in the company's history is suddenly erased. Poof, gone, like it never even happened. And there's another piece of context I think is important. In recent decades, China has banned most U.S. internet companies from operating in the country. And in China, there's less recourse to legal challenges. But TikTok was able to capitalize on American freedoms. This is a big reason why TikTok wasn't banned or sold to a U.S. company. Because the U.S. has democracy, an independent court system, presidential elections. And now, for the foreseeable future, the U.S. even has TikTok. I checked back in with Katie Feeney, an 18-year-old TikTok star I spoke to right after the ban was announced. She had been so upset. But when I called her up six months later... To be completely honest, I forgot about it. I went from, (laughs) like, every day I was terrified and, like going crazy in my mind, going back and forth in thought about what I'm going to do once TikTok is gone to just not even thinking about it at all. I feel like it's like the stages of, I guess, like a breakup. I remember learning in school, there's like denial and then acceptance or anger. And there's all these different stages. Like that's kind of what I felt like with TikTok. It was like I was going through an awful breakup. (laughs) Katie wasn't the only one who felt like she was going through a breakup. In the end, there were many broken hearts. Trump got dumped, Microsoft got dumped, Oracle got dumped. Here's Kurt. I think these were all worlds that are used to getting their way, right? You have um, the president, you have some of the top venture capitalists in all of technology, you have some of the top technology CEOs, and you have the Chinese government, right? Which of those groups usually loses? And the answer is is none of them. They're all used to winning and they're all used to kind of getting things to, to go the way they want. That's such a good point and also underscores why the ending of this is so monumental because all these people who are used to getting their way, none of them got their way. The person who got their way was the CEO of ByteDance, Zhang Yiming, this Chinese entrepreneur who kind of came out of nowhere and built this company and was able to, you know... Um, win over all those all those different people. 
the ByteDance CEO won. When I go back and listen to all my interviews, almost no one I spoke to thought Yiming would come out on top. Here's Roy Ma. He's a very, very rational person. He expected to be a very tough journey and that he understood that this was a fight. Yiming might be unusually quiet and meek for a tech CEO, but he has the personality it takes to ride out the turbulence. He, he perseveres, he prides himself on delayed gratification, and, you know, in, in a way, he's a little masochistic. <laughs> so he really has, a, like, a, well, he prides himself on having a lot of patience and um, going after the really, really difficult problems. This idea of delayed gratification is kind of a stereotype about Chinese executives and government officials, that they can endure the short-term pain and wait out the U.S. electoral cycle because American politics are so temporary. And in China, Xi Jinping has no term limits. He's making decisions for the decades ahead, not 45-day decrees. But that's exactly what Yiming bet on, that if he actually fought back against Trump, pushed back against his own powerful investors, and delayed the ban in court just long enough, that Trump would get distracted and lose interest. It took a lot of chutzpah, but Yiming's plan worked. He was proven right. As for Alex Ju, the founder who came up with so many of the original ideas behind TikTok, he also managed to hang on. He took a strategy and investment role at ByteDance. He helped Yiming on the U.S. TikTok deal. And even though Alex failed at politicking on behalf of TikTok and got pushed aside for an American CEO, in the end, he outlasted Kevin Mayer, the guy hired to replace him. Alex remains committed to that early vision of TikTok he hatched on the train years ago. Several months after Trump left office, Yiming installed a guy named Sho Chu as the CEO of TikTok. Sho has connections in the West. He went to Harvard Business School and worked at Goldman Sachs. But he speaks Chinese and lives in Singapore. And not long after that, Yiming said he would be stepping down as CEO of ByteDance. He released a statement that I want to read a few lines from. He wrote, The truth is, I lack some of the skills that make an ideal manager. I'm more interested in analyzing organizational and market principles than actually managing people. Similarly, I'm not very social, preferring solitary activities like being online, reading, listening to music, and daydreaming about what may be possible. Yiming says he'll stay at the company to focus on long-term strategy, but our sources tell us that Yiming will still be running the show. ByteDance is gearing up for a massive IPO that could make Yiming one of the richest people in China. This would also put a target on his back from the Chinese government, which has been scrutinizing the country's wealthy tech moguls. This may be the reason why Yiming wants to lay low and take a less public-facing role. TikTok is still growing relentlessly. Teens the world over are enraptured by it. And there's no doubt in my mind it poses an existential threat to Facebook, Google, and Snapchat. Because even as it gets bigger, it keeps coming out with new features that get people hooked, giving TikTok even more time, more money, and more data. I wouldn't be surprised if pretty soon we see Zhang Yiming's face on a business biography, like the ones he used to read back in his college days. 
because Yiming achieved many firsts. First Chinese entrepreneur to build a consumer app that became a global hit. First person to get his private business almost banned by an American president. First and only person to come out on top. Yiming and Alex have fundamentally changed the perception of Chinese tech companies. TikTok outsmarted U.S. competitors and President Trump. The company used billions of dollars to flood the world with a social media app no one had even heard of just a few years ago. Ultimately, TikTok woke the world up to the very real threat of competition from China. The tech industry and the U.S. government may not have taken that threat seriously enough before, but they certainly are now. Because the U.S. had free reign over the global internet for so many decades without ever really having to compete. And now, TikTok proves that era has ended. Foundering is hosted by me, Shelley Banjo. Sean Wen is our executive producer. Ray Mondo is our audio engineer. Molly Nugent is our associate producer. Additional reporting by Kurt Wagner, Jiping Huang, Sarah Fryer, Dina Bass, Brody Ford, Tom Giles, and Mario Parker. Special thanks to Edwin Chan, Peter Elstrom, Emily Chang, Jenny Leonard, Jennifer Jacobs, and Saleha Mosin. Our story editors are Mark Millian, Ann Vandermeer, and Molly Schutz. Francesca Levy is the head of Bloomberg Podcasts. This is our last episode about TikTok, but please stay subscribed in your feed. We'll have more exciting episodes of Foundering in just a few months. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.